Kia ora. Welcome to the Arise Church podcast. For more details, you can find us at arisechurch.com. But right now, we're going to hear from our Palmerston North Campus pastor, Shannon Hatch. We just know you'll enjoy today's message. I want to preach a message today titled, Chasing the God Dream. Chasing the God Dream. We can talk about a, a, a corporate vision together as, as arise, what we're heading into, and there's space for that, and we'll do that. But I really felt God press on me today to speak to us as individuals. What has God got for us next personally? Because when each and every one of us are chasing what God has for us, each and every one of us make up what? The church. And when the church is chasing and being obedient to what God has for them as individuals or a household or as a couple, then the church is thriving, amen? And so we're gonna read from Acts chapter 16 this morning, titled Chasing the God Dream. Are you ready this morning? Amen. Uh, Chapter 16 of Acts verse four to 15 says this. Now, while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the decrees which had been decided upon by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe. So the churches were being strengthened in faith and they were increasing in number daily. They passed through the Phrygian and the Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And after they had come to Musea, they were trying to go into Bithynia and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And by passing through Messiah, they came down to Troas and a vision appeared to Paul in the night of a Macedonian. And he was standing there appealing to him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So putting out to sea from Troas, we ran a straight course for Samothrace and on the day following to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. And when we were staying there a city for some days, on the Sabbath day, we went out to the side of the gate to the riverside where there was supposing that there would be a place of prayer. We sat down and we began speaking to the woman who had assembled. And a woman named Lydia From the city of Thyatria, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God was listening and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. Amen. Let's pray today. Father, we just thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you have led us here into this place to hear this word today. So we know that you have something for each and every one of us. Father, we pray that your word goes out into good soil today that we would receive it and that it would stay there, that our eyes would be open to you, our ears would be listening, but our hearts and spirits in tune with what you have for us in each and every person through your word today. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. This is an interesting passage of scripture because we see the Holy Spirit forbidding something that the Holy Spirit has actually enabled people to do. We need to remember that when Jesus ascended, He sent the Holy Spirit to clothe and power His disciples to be His witnesses to Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. And so Paul, so desperately wanting to go into Asia to preach the gospel, the Holy Spirit had clothed him and Luke and power to be witnesses, yet he got to this region and the Holy Spirit said, no, 
Don't go and preach the word there. I mean, that must have been pretty confusing. As an apostle to preach the word to nations that had yet to receive Jesus, and then Jesus says, don't do that. It's an interesting passage of Scripture. We don't really see how it happened. Scripture doesn't really break it down a lot. But what we do know is the world was forever changed because of it, because Paul forsook a good dream for a God dream. And we know as a believer that overarching vision for our lives is to to receive the grace of salvation, to be transformed by our Lord and Savior, to then proclaim His excellencies of all that He has done through His grace to us for others, to go out and disciple, to baptize, to preach the gospel, the great commission. We know that for every believer, that's the overarching vision that God has for us. But to each and every one of us, there's a different part to play in that vision. A grace that is different on my life than it is to yours. A grace and gifting and calling that may be different from spouse to spouse, child to child. There is a part to play in this overarching purpose from God for each and every one of us to fulfill this great vision of God that every tongue, tribe, and nation would bow before our Lord and Savior and receive Jesus. There's the overarching vision, but there's a part to play for each and every one of us. Romans 8, 28 And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are according to His purpose. Philippians 2.13, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure, for His purpose, for His pleasure. When we see dreams and vision in Scripture, they are used in accordance to the will of God. In different ways, the will of God for maybe an individual, maybe a group of people, a vision or dream that inspires hope, maybe encouragement, maybe warning, maybe just guidance, prophecy of things to come or direction for tomorrow. Whenever you see a dream and vision in the Word, God is using it to explain His will, His vision that we receive. Some visions are for a season. Some dreams are fulfilled and we receive a new one. But can I encourage you today, church, that there is a very specific vision and dream from heaven for your life. A purpose that God has for you here in this church, here in this life, not just in a Sunday, not just the four walls of a service, but Monday to Saturday. There is a very specific plan and purpose for your life. A vision from heaven. And when I was preparing this message, I just saw this picture of this hand turning a page in a book. And behold, there was the next page, a new chapter. And my question to us today, church, is, is it time to turn the page? Is it time to turn the page into the next chapter that God has for us, to activate the God dream that He has for you? Is it time in your life to chase it again? Is it time in your life to just lift your eyes again, head up, shoulders back and say, no, there's a vision for my life. There's a dream that God has given me and I will chase it. Get your notebooks out because through Acts 16, we're gonna see how to receive the vision from God, how to discern that it's from God and how to action it, amen? Paul is outworking the ultimate vision of Christ for people to reach the lost in lands that had not received the good news. But in Paul's case, we see in this chapter a very specific mission given by God to him. 
As we read, he's going through the churches that he once did on his first missionary journey. He's now on his second missionary journey. He's strengthening those churches that he went to. And now he's giving decrees from the Council of Jerusalem to, to aid and to teach them. And then he gets to Asia and he so badly wants to go and reach this country, this nation. And the Holy Spirit says, no, no. He starts to forbid them. I've got a slide just to help us visualize this. I'm a visual person, so team, you can throw that up. Thanks to our great friends at conformingtojesus.com. I found this resource. I don't actually know who they are, but I'm sure they're friendly. But you can see on the right-hand side, this is Paul's first missionary journey from Jerusalem, Judea, Syria, all up there through Galatia, Cyprus. And he reaches those, and these, these arrows of the reader are second missionary journey. So he gets to Phrygia, right there on the right-hand side of Asia, and the Holy Spirit says, no. So he keeps going, and the Holy Spirit keeps saying, no, no. Not till the end of Asia did he receive the vision for what's next. And sometimes that speaks to us in transition, right? We're like, God, why can't we do this? Why are you not happening? Not until the end of that season of Paul having to trek all through Asia did he receive the next step. But you can see that Asia is an important country. The seven churches of Revelation are in Asia. This is an important region for the gospel. But he gets to Troas on the left and he receives a vision to go into Macedonia. Thanks team, you can take that off. And this is interesting because any right-minded believer that has the ultimate vision of Christ to reach the lost, to speak the good news and lands that hadn't heard it would think that Asia is the right answer. But God said, no, I don't want it there yet. We don't see how this unfolded. We only see that Luke recorded in Acts. For some reason, they just knew for that season, it wasn't their purpose to step into that dream of seeing Asia reached. And then Paul receives this very welcome division at night of a man in Macedonia saying, come and help us. And he woke up and he does three things. And this is what I love. He sees the vision. He seeks the Lord for confirmation. And then he steps out. Verse 10 says, when he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So putting out to sea from Troas, we ran a straight course. He saw the vision. He sought the Lord for confirmation that it was him. And then they stepped out in obedience. We see this process elsewhere in a more simplified form when Peter steps out of the boat. In Matthew 14, verse 26 when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. He said it was a ghost. They cried out in fear. But Peter said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and went towards Jesus. Peter saw it was Jesus, confirmed it was Jesus, and then stepped out into what Jesus had for him. And when we are chasing the God dream church, the first thing we need to do, and this is point one today, is see the vision. See the vision. And one way to make sure that we are seeing a God dream and not just a good dream is to make sure we're spending more time in God than we are good. Can I say that again? That we are spending more time in God than we are good. It's so easy to follow our passions, our desires, the things that we love to do. And God has put them on our life for a reason. But if we're just chasing those things and not including God in that process, then we're chasing a good dream, not a God dream. 
But if we're spending time in God, receiving His Word, His, His, His visions, His dreams, we know that this is coming from God and He's using the good, but we know it's in the right place. We chase a God dream, not just a good dream. We spend time with God in prayer, in worship, relationship devotion. When you're dreaming with your spouse, if you're married for the future, or if you're dreaming with your business partner on, on what's next, or maybe just a friend, or what should we study at uni together next year, or whatever it is, when you're, when you're dreaming for the future with somebody, what are you doing? You're conversing with them. You're painting a picture together. You're talking about it. It's the same principle with God, my friends. When you wanna receive a vision, if you want God to paint the picture of what's next for your life, we should be conversing with them, spending time with them, talking to them, praying to them, saying, God, open my eyes. In Acts 10, we see two examples in the same story of two people receiving a vision and they were doing the same thing. In Acts 10.3, about the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius. Acts 10.9, and the next day as they were on their way approaching the city, Peter went up to the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. Verse 11, and he saw the sky open. It was custom to pray in the third, the sixth, and the ninth hours of the day. What were these two people doing when they saw vision and received from God? They were in prayer. They were praying when they saw what God wanted them to do. Now, God is sovereign and He can reveal a vision and, and give you a dream when maybe we're not in prayer. A great example of that is the Saul to Paul conversion on the road to Damascus. I doubt Saul was praying on his way to persecute Christians. God can move, He's sovereign. But God also honours those who want to seek Him and have their eyes open to do the will of God. He'll honour that. 2 Kings 6, 17, Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Open his eyes that he may see. To see the vision, we should ask that our eyes be opened to the things that God wants to show us. Because when we receive a vision from God, it's to outwork the vision of God. If you want a God vision, you need to go to God to get the vision because it's His vision, it's His dream. And if you wanna step into the will of God, you gotta go to the source. Otherwise, it may just be a good dream. It may just be a good dream. You know, about 10 years ago, uh, I was... I was in the Christchurch campus and I was working about two days a week as the children's pastor at our Christchurch campus. And, and for the rest of the days of my week, I was working as a graphic designer and that's what I did before ministry. And so I had these two part-time jobs and, and unfortunately, uh, our design company was going through some financial struggles and so they had to restructure and, and I was made redundant and the company moved into like a, customers could choose their own designs and online templating so they didn't need the designer anymore. It's like going into a cafe and getting rid of the baristas and saying, I'll just make my own coffee. Terrible. <laughs> Two syrups, shots, sugars everywhere, burnt coffee. Don't do it, okay? Who goes into a pharmacy and just takes these things and just start jabbing themselves? Anyway, I digress. Get a designer. Don't choose your own. <clears throat> Sorry, there's still some bitterness there. Jesus. Anyway, anyway. Just, this is therapy for me this morning. About 10 years ago, I was made redundant from my design job, and so I had three days a week in my week that I wasn't working. I was only working two days, and I knew God had called me into full-time ministry. Paid or unpaid, I knew that's what He'd called me to, into, full-time ministry, to pastor His flock. But provision, I needed. I was married. I needed a full-time job. 
And so I was praying, what do I do? And I was working two days and just volunteering and doing some stuff for the rest of the week. And during that time, we went on holiday back to my hometown in Blenheim. And I, as I was there, a pastor from a church came up to us and said, hey, I felt to offer you a full-time youth and young adults role here at our church in Blenheim. And I was like, wow, full-time. I've had a few years with kids. Maybe it would be cool to help the youth and, and the, the young adults now. And, and, and I was praying about it. And, and anything that you get from God, we should honor God. We don't always know what he's doing. So we said, thank you for the offer. We'll pray about it. And as we were praying about the right direction to take, uh, one night while we were there, I had this very, very vivid dream. I can see it frame for frame right now. And I'll share it with you. It was about 10 years ago, and, and I had this dream, and I was at this church that offered me this role. And bear with me, it might sound a little bit cringy. But I was at this church, and, and Jesus was on my left, and in the windows of all the church were the disciples, going, Shannon, come on in, come on in. And then Jesus was just on my left, and everybody's like, this is happy as Larry, Jesus is here. But in the dream, I just knew internally that it wasn't Jesus. And I looked at this, this, this man that looked like Jesus, but out the back of his robe was this tail of a snake going all the way down the church building and down the riverbank. And as I looked up, it was no longer the face of Jesus. It was the face of the snake. And I just woke up immediately. And I heard the Lord say to me, it looks like me, but it's not me. There's nothing wrong with this church. There's nothing wrong with that offer. There's nothing wrong with the pastors. In fact, today it's a thriving church. God is moving in that place. There was nothing wrong with it, but this was a specific dream of warning to me for the purpose that God had for my life. And I was like, wow. And I got up that morning and I opened my Bible and as I do my daily devotions, and the first verse I saw, I wasn't even reading this chapter, was Matthew 13, 57, 58 that said, a prophet is honored everywhere except his hometown. So we couldn't do many miracles there. And I said, God, you couldn't be more clear if you try. <laughs> now, there's nothing wrong with Blenheim if you're watching from there. I, 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 I love that place, but this was, please understand, this was for me. This was for me. I saw the vision, Sunshine Capital. Anyway, well, that's just for my Nelson friends. Um, but this leads me on to my next point. When we've seen the vision, we have to seek the Lord that it's Him. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that it was him. Every dream, every vision, the heart cry of us, we need to discern that it is of God. Dreams and visions will be confirmed by the word of the Lord. Like I said in the previous story, I saw the vision. The next morning, my devotional time, it was confirmed by the word. If it's a word from God, it will be confirmed by his established word. The vision confirmed by the Word of God. A friend a few months ago texted me saying, I'm about to make a big decision. I feel like it's the right one. I said, do you have Scripture to stand on? He said, I don't yet. And I said, well, don't just go off a feeling. Keep going until you get the Word of God. Because Peter said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you. If it is you, Lord, give me your Word. He saw Jesus, but he needed to know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said, Come, a dream from God will be confirmed by the word of God. This is how we keep prophecy in check, the feeling of the spirit in check, that it's not just our own bias or our own filter or just our own feelings, but that it's actually God. Lamentations 3.25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. When Paul received this vision, it finally made sense why they were restricted. God wanted them elsewhere. Paul, Timothy, Silas, and Luke all concluded that it was God. 
By the way, if, if you have Paul, Timothy, Silas, and Luke, like you're in good company. Like these guys knew how God worked. If the apostle came up to me and said, God said this, I'll be like, okay, let's go. But Paul, Silas, Luke, and Timothy all concluded that it was God. And I love how Luke recalled this. He saw the vision, we concluded it was God. He saw it, we concluded. When Paul told us he'd seen it, then we, Luke, Silas, and Timothy prayed and we concluded that it was God. Proverbs eleven fourteen: where there is no guidance, the people fall, but in abundance of counselors, there is victory. Paul knew how God moved, but with Luke, Silas, and Timothy, he was stronger. He had accountability. He added in those who may not have bias or filters over their eyes, and they concluded together, what you have seen, Paul, is accurate. Let's go. I thank God for the people in my life that helped me in big decisions, discern the voice of God, my wife, my family, my friends, pastors and mentors. Because when you are in the middle of the God dream and things start to get tough, when you're outworking the vision of God for your life and, and confusion and fogginess and doubt sets in, that word that you sought so hard for and the people that you did it with, you will never fall below that layer. They will remind you this was the word you got and we confirmed it was God, so get back up and keep going. But if you don't have the word and you don't have the people, that's where people will crumble when things get too tough. Who in your life is helping you with the vision and dream that God has given to you? Because when you have that voice of the Lord and the voice of godly people with you, my friend, you cannot fail. Things might still get tough, but you cannot fall below the word of God, amen? When you see the God dream, Seek God about it and confirm that it's Him. Point number three today as the band joins me. See the vision, seek the Lord. Point number three, step out. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought and concluded that it was God. So putting out to sea from Choas, we ran a straight course. When Jesus said, come, Peter stepped out of the boat and walked on water. Every vision of God, is not just to tickle our ears or to leave us in daydream land. It is to confirm, to lead, to prompt, and to guide because it's not your vision, it's the vision of the Lord for your life. And he's saying, I've chosen you to give this to for my purpose and for my pleasure that we may see every tongue, nation, and tribe come to know the Lord. This is my vision to you. Now, would you be obedient and step into it? Would you step out? It will take faith. It will take boldness. We may not see the end, but we will see enough to take a step. Because when we've seen the vision and we've confirmed that it's God, what do we do? Ignore God? Or do we be obedient knowing that it is the Lord? It's time to step out. If you have the vision and dream but haven't stepped into it, it's time to turn the page. If the Lord has confirmed it, my friend, it will take faith, but step out because there is blessing in obedience. There is fulfillment in the vision that God has given you. His will for your life is the best place to be. Step out. When Paul obeyed the Lord and he skipped Asia, he went straight into Europe and he met a woman at the water named Lydia. And she's been recorded in the Bible as the first convert in Europe. The first person in Europe to receive Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. 
She was a businesswoman. She was a dealer of purple thread, which the province and the region, it was held very high. She was a wealthy woman. She had clientele from the top to the bottom. She had trade routes and markets. She was an influential woman in Macedonia because she was the center of this purple thread, trade routes. She was wealthy. She, she knew people. And she was at the water and Paul shared the good news to her. And this woman named Lydia responded, as the scripture said, responded to the message of Paul, which was Jesus. And shortly after this, Paul and Silas were thrown in prison. And when they came out of prison, who were they met with? They were met by Lydia and now a full house of believers. Because the word reached Lydia, Lydia pioneered a church movement in Macedonia and a whole house of believers was there for Paul and Silas when they got out. And we see a little bit of a clue to maybe why this is so important. 10 years later, 10 or 11 years later, Paul has now completed his third missionary journey and he's in prison in Rome. He's getting nearer to the end of his journey. And he writes a letter back to the Philippians in reflection. And this is what he says in verse, chapter four, verse 15. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left you in Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. You know what I reckon Paul was doing? He was sitting there in prison going over the last 10 years of missionaries, of journeys, of ministering the gospel, sharing the good news, seeing many people to come to Jesus and going, none of that would have been possible without the Philippians because they funded me to go through Asia. They funded me to carry on the gospel. Because of that church, I had enough to continue going. And he writes this letter back saying, thank you so much. You were the only church who did that. Now, God could have provided any way, but he chose to provide through Lydia and this church of Macedonia. And we see in Paul's third missionary journey, he goes back through Asia. In fact, after Macedonia, he goes through Ephesus. What a massive church in the Bible that is. But we see this thankful letter going, you funded us. You gave, you were the only church. Maybe there's many more reasons why God chose Macedonia, but if it was just for that, so that the gospel could carry on throughout all the lands because of the generosity of the Philippian church, then maybe that was just enough. Because Paul focused on the God dream and not just the good dream, many more met Jesus. Lands were reached by the gospel. But what I love is because Paul's obedient to the God dream and he met it with, with, with trust and with, okay, God, this is you, because he did that, God led him back through the good dream as well. And he got to go through Asia. Church, what is the God dream inside of you? Not just the good dream. What has God got for you specifically? Have you seen it? Have you sought God for confirmation? Have you stepped into it? Because my friends, when we all chase the God dream, what an effective church and ministry we will be to our beautiful nation, our beautiful cities, to the globe, when each and every one of us are obedient to the vision of God for our lives. And you too will find blessing and fulfillment in, in it. Church is doing a new thing. Is it time to turn the page today? Would you stand with me all over the place? If you're online, if it's appropriate and comfortable, do you, would you stand where you are too? Maybe just lift your hands to the Lord and just close your eyes. I don't know where you are at 
in this journey. Maybe you're at point one where you're like, Lord, just show me something. Maybe you're at number two where you're like, I've seen something, but I need to confirm that it's you, God. Or maybe you have seen something and you do know it's God, but wrestling to step into it. My friend, he's here for you this morning, wherever you are today. And I love through the words of Joel, echoed by Peter, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. The young will see visions and the old will dream dreams. A picture of the young and old united together, receiving the vision, purpose and dreams from the Lord to outwork here on earth as a kingdom, as His priesthood here to see the lost come to be found. But He needs His hands and feet. He needs His body to see the purpose and the vision that He has for us so that we can be effective in the ministry of Christ. I'm gonna pray right now and then we're gonna go into worship. But here's what I want you to do this today. No matter where you are in this journey of seeing, of seeking or stepping out, we're gonna believe in this moment that you get a vision or you get confirmation or you get boldness to step into it. Joy for the vision ahead. As Elisha said, oh Lord, I pray that his eyes would be open to see. So church, let us pray and then we will worship. And would you hold faith that God would show you or give you something today? Father, we just thank You in this place that we're Your hands and feet here on this earth. A kingdom to God, a priesthood to this nation. Lord, we just thank You in the Name of Jesus. We pray, would You open our eyes to see the vision? Would You open our eyes to see the purpose that You have for each and every one of us? Lord, would You give us confirmation that it's You today. And Lord, boldness and joy and confidence to step out into the vision and the purpose to see many come to know You. In Your holy Name, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Arise Church podcast. We hope this message has blessed you. For more content or resources, visit arisechurch.com. Matiwa, see you soon.